Athleter Podcast. Once again, dude, it's been far too long, Matthew Siampa. Thank you for coming through and talking wrestling as we do and probably do nothing else (laughs) aside from talk wrestling when we see one another. Good point. Thank you again. So tell me, you know what? How about this? You suck at self-promotion. I'll do I'll do a better job of, of so Matt Ciampa is probably the best wrestling coach that no one listening or watching this podcast has ever heard of because he's so bad at self-promotion. Um Matt tell tell people when you started coaching because God, I, I talk about eclipse and because it just has such a an interesting foundation all right yeah so um just to put everybody give everybody a little perspective my first year coaching would have been your freshman year of high school mm-hmm. so yeah so i finished i finished uh wrestling in college uh the 91 92 season and um up until that point my coach the founder of eclipse rick broadman um had been running a club for i don't know eight or nine years at least and uh he got to the point and oddly enough, he's about, he was about as old as I am now. And, uh, he told me one day, one day he came up to me and said that he didn't want to spend his time on his weekends sitting in the gym at wrestling events. He'd rather go play golf once in a while. And I thought he was the craziest. I, I couldn't wrap my head around how anybody Wait, could think what? that way. <laughs> what? That's so, just crazy talk. And uh, so he asked me if I wanted uh you know, take the stick and, and run the club. So the following season I started running Eclipse and that would have been the spring of 1993. And now that I'm about the same age he was when he was, you know, making a transition from wrestling coach to golf player, I'm uh, not making the transition out of wrestling, but uh, I'm hoping to get involved at a, at a different level than yeah. uh, coaching. Well, you're looking, you're looking kids. to go back to your alma mater, aren't you? Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, I've been volunteering at uh, East Stroudsburg University. Um, I was teammates at ESU with the head coach, Aniba Nieves. And um, um, he was kind enough to ask me if I would like to help out. And maybe in a year or two, there might be a paid assistant job. I could retire from teaching and take that job and, you know, work with some uh, older kids, which I haven't really done all that much. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity, but you know, I still like working with the kids, the youth kids and the high school kids too, but uh, it'll be fun to, to, to work with real athletes. I don't know if I want to say kids are a little bit more mature because boy, are some of those kids dopes, but um, you know, it, it's, it's already different. Just spending a little time in a room in a college room has been really, and you know, the room where I trained, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that, but, but with the clips, you know, um, I had, I had a great time. Um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, work with some really, really great kids. Um, some of them got their hand raised a whole bunch, some of them not too much, but, uh, in either direction, it was always lots of fun. You know, Matthew, you say some of them got their hand raised a bunch. Can you rattle off just how many national champions you guys have had? Oh my gosh. Uh, at, at USA, 
wrestling, freestyle, and Greco-Roman events. I don't know. I'm going to guess maybe 20 kids. 20 and, kids have won it. Yeah, and a bunch of them multiple times. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, we are we're, we're fortunate. You know, Mr. Brumman built that foundation. I mean, he had champs, you know, while I was in high school still. So, you know, I trained with some of those guys. And, um, you know, I inherited some of those kids. You mm. know, a kid like Corey Posey, about – about your age westfield yeah westfield kid yeah and um you know he was he was training with mr broadman when he was in you know sixth seventh and eighth grade before i started running the club and he ended up winning some age age group titles wrestled you know junior worlds university worlds uh getting nick facchetti from cranford he uh he was one of mr broadman's guys too so i inherited a, a, a good group and uh you know managed to keep the ball rolling a little bit yeah, so, I'll fun. say. I mean, you're you're leaving out the the Joey McKenna's of the world and the, the there's but the, the the list of Eclipse kids that have excelled in international styles is really long. It was fun. I mean, listen, we were a freestyling Greco club. I mean, that we started. But in that's March that in and, and of itself. Juniors, right? But that in and of itself was fairly i don't want to say the word novel but it was <clears throat> peculiar right because the i mean let's be honest about it the money in club wrestling is in folk style right like right. I, I mean so 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 there was never no you guys didn't ever really concern yourselves with you know money so if if you know you referenced i'm not real great at promoting myself i'm less successful at making money uh, off of wrestling yeah, I I would uh, so, I would tend to agree with you there. You know, Mr. Broadman had a philosophy. It shouldn't it shouldn't cost money to learn how to wrestle, and um, you know I hold true to that now. I mean, at, so when I first started coaching, I ran my practices at a at a, a high school, local high school, and um, you know, cost it cost fifteen bucks to come train with us in the in the early nineties. Period. It, like, yeah, you got t you got you paid fifteen bucks. You got a t shirt, and you got to come to practice two days a week. Two days a week for and three months, four months, four like months. Yeah, a little bit plus four, I think. You know, by the time we got back from juniors, fifteen dollars. And, and um, you know, it it was fun. It was funny because sometimes I'd hear you know parents like, you know, you know, I talked to my friend and his kids going to another club, and I tried to tell him he should come in train with you guys and he would tell us well it can't be it can't be that good if that's all it costs mm. i'm like all right fine you know like it was I, I i liked having kids at practice i really did nobody want you don't want to show up to a room and there's four kids there you know unless it's a private you know right. if you only have four kids in the room it's no good but in the same context you know i wanted kids who wanted to be there i don't want kids who were forced out of their house because their parents said, I paid this much money for you to go to practice. You better get your ass to practice. You know? Yeah. So, but, but, but. And we got certain... all kinds of kids. That was the best part about it. I mean, we got all kinds of kids came to our room. I mean, I remember we had a kid, we had a kid come in. The kid was originally from Egypt. So I'm thinking, all right, this kid's from Egypt. This is about 10 or 15 years ago. And, um, it was like when, remember Muhammad Lawal uh, started doing uh, 
MMA. Sure. So it was like in the beginning of it, you know, like he was done wrestling and started fighting. So he was in there. the 08 trials finals or something like that, right? So right after that, he probably, so it was 2009-ish. Yeah, give or take, you know, mm -hmm. right around there. And uh, so his, I can't remember, his name was Muhammad and whatever followed that, but we called him King Mo. So he comes to practice. Uh, he said, you know, he wants to uh, wrestle Greco at junior nationals. Like one of his high school teammates went a year or two before and he wants to go, you know, so um, it was it was after the Greco state. So now you may remember uh, young Rich Santoli a little bit. So anyway, I go to Rich. I go, Rich, I got this kid from Egypt. He wants to wrestle Greco. Can we petition him on the team? And yeah, you know, Rich is like, yeah, if the kid wants to wrestle, we'll put him on. We got the spots. So he'd been coming to practice and I'm watching him. And I'm like, this kid doesn't look like he's got that much of a background. So I'm watching him. I'm watching him. So we get him out there. And, and at the time, what we would do is when we'd start our live goes, you, you shake hands with your opponent and then you start wrestling. And some kids would shake hands and they'd step back and then they'd step forward and start wrestling. And some kids would try and get to jump on you and shake hands and go get you. So we're at his first match out at Fargo, and he shakes hands with the kid, and then boom, he's all over the kid. All over the kid. He gets Didn't wait for a whistle. Didn't wait no, for. So he's in the bat with this kid. They're going back and forth. He's in the bat with the kid, and he ends up getting pinned. So he comes off the mat, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, man, you must have been really nervous. I said, I know it's your first match at Junior Nationals, but you got to wait for the whistle to blow. He goes, that was my first match. <laughs> that was his first match his whole life with that juniors. And he was in the bout. So I mean like having having that kid in a room was awesome. And, and you know, he didn't win it. You know, he lost his next he lost his next match. But again, he scored points. You know, he, he scored points in both both bouts. He he defended up until a point. But you know, like having the opportunity to have kids like that in a room. And that's the same room, like in that same room, like if I rattle off names, you know, so uh, McKenna was in that room. Um, Ashnault was in that room. Um, Spencer Carey, who won a uh, U20 uh, U national championship, was in that room. And then we had, I don't know, maybe about six or seven kids who were multiple time double style you know, all Americans that either, you know, use 17s or juniors or cadets or whatever, you know, the age division tournaments. Like in that room, we had that in that room, we took 13th at Fargo, like just the kids in the room took. So 13th you're saying, oh, so now we're talking. So that's where I love your self promotion sucks so bad that I have to get into minutia with you in order to pull it out of you so you just said something that's pretty impressive right like yeah we had seven we had seven all americans from the us. club just in cadet greco that was only in cadet greco because we had a few that placed in juniors too mm -hmm. but that was just in cadet greco and here's the best part about that group is at it out of those seven kids, and I could be wrong, could be six, could be eight, but let's just say they're seven. Out of those seven kids, only two of them had a, a folk-style state medal. So these are kids that aren't really winning at the highest level locally, but they could, they could win matches 
out at out of junior nationals, out of cadet nationals. What do so you attribute time, that to? It, 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 it's it's the room at the time. It's 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 me. It's Larry Levinstone. It's Bobby Shear, Anthony Liardi, and John Gray. So there's five of us in the room, and you know, and you know, John was kind of in and out at that point. He he was you know a mainstay with us for about the five years before because by that time his younger brother Mark had already graduated high school and moved on to Cornell. So John was coming around a little bit. He was still he was still part of the program, but but between you know Anthony, Leardy, like I said, Bobby Shear and Larry Levinstone. I mean, if I didn't go to practice, it was like, it didn't matter if I was there with those right. guys in the room. And, you know, they were great workout partners. They were great teachers. They were great mentors. And, you know, so we had, you know, a group of kids in that room that there was always a pair of eyes on those guys. And, you know, like, you know, like if, if you were in our room, we wouldn't miss a beat, you know, like your, your level of technique and and in your aptitude for the sport would have helped us, but your demeanor and your personality would have fit in even better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that was that was our crew. And you know, we would, you know, when a kid got something right, we'd let him know they got something right. And when they did something wrong, we'd let him know that they did something wrong. But every now and again, if you did something that, you know, like kind of crossed a line for us. And I don't want this to come out in the wrong way. And we had a we had a very zigzaggy type of a line. But if you cross the line, um, we kind of you know there was a, I don't know what the language parameters are on this podcast. Oh, you can go there, right ahead, son. But there was a there was a there was a fair amount of ball breaking going on, and so, you know, like it was it was fun, and 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 the kids, you know, like we we wouldn't cross the line and make a kid feel bad, but there were certain things that you didn't want to do wrong, or you got to you know, give me an example. You got to give me an example. It, it was so we would say, you know, good habits are bad habits, and you know, like if somebody was half-assing their way through one of their techniques, you know, like one of us would just walk by and you know get like just to stare him down as we're walking by. And then you walk past the kid and the kid thinks he's out of the woods and they'd be like, good habits or bad habits. Or we'd say, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And then it'd be the same thing. And it went like, you know, like you could just see the, the kids would be like, oh, you know, and, and it was fun. You know, like they got, they got the joke, but they also got the context. Hey, we're not trying to beat the kid we could already beat in here. The whole premise of our practice, our system was to win the matches you're not supposed to win and everything else is useless, you mm. know, and, and, you know, like we try to encourage kids to do something a certain way that it could work on everyone. And if you're All not right. the fastest, sure. it should still work. If you're not the strongest, okay. it should still work. You can, you can stop it right there. Joel, I'm going to give you. An even better Matthew Siempa story. No. I was probably, I was, I don't know, it's 2010. So I was 67 years old. Um, <laughs> and I'm a, can, I, can, I, can I tell it? It's, it's way more funny from the viewer's perspective. I think. Fine, 
Proceed. So you brought it up. So fine. So, so Mike was Mike. We in New Jersey. We had a great system uh, for years. When I finished college, I wrestled in these events. You know, like these would be good events to demonstrate to the kids that you're training. You know, that hey, I'm not. You know, do as I say, not as I do. Not you know, hey, I'm trying to do what I'm trying to tell you to do. So th we had these open events for our local freestyle and Greco qualifiers and Mike would wrestle in them. And most of the time, Mike, if, whatever you know about Mike's technical prowess, he, he could walk the walk on the mat and he was a highlight film. He liked doing the, you know, the stuff that makes people go, Ooh, during a match. So, um, and, uh, you know, and I liked watching him. I remember him when he was a kid, when he was in high school, and then when he comes back and he starts coaching, I'm he I'm watching him. So I'm watching him sit in corners, and then when he goes out there to wrestle, I'm on top of it. I'm watching. So it was later in a match, and I guess he was a little bit on the fatigue side, and he gets belly to back on the kid, and I'm watching. I'm like, oh boy, he's gonna five pointer this kid. And then he, you know, he steps around, he tries to pop his hips and the kid's toes are still dragging on the mat a little bit. He steps around, he tries to pop his hips again and the kid's toes are still dragging on the mat. And then he puts his knee in front of the kid's thigh and doinks the kid down to the mat and puts the kid on his belly. And I couldn't have been more than 15 feet away from him. And I just start yelling, boo, boo. <laughs> he started booing me. I was like, am I getting he, booed right now? He's on top. And he's, you know, like, you know, trying to act like he's turning the kid, but all he's doing is just like, like looking through his hairs all over his face and he's just like shaking his head. So now let's fast forward. I don't know, another six or seven years. We're at training camp for team New Jersey. So, you know, the uh, coaches used to roll around a little bit after practice. So Mike and I shake hands and we start wrestling and he puts my feet on the rafters, puts me on the back of my head. And then he stands up and he goes, boo. <laughs> it was a and nice like, two overs. Boy, if I ever had anything coming, that was it right there. <laughs> but, okay. But that's the ball breaking. You know, like that's the. Yes. It's a, that, that, was, that was important to us. And it took a certain type of kid to be in our room. Right. Because you had, you had to expect that. And the more bouts you won the harder we went at you. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. And, and I could tell you, the kids that came to work out with us, um, they could give it back. I mean, two two of my favorites of all time are this kid named Will Key. Will Key may, may have placed in the uh, in the Jersey High School States his senior year, but I'm not sure if he did. I think he slipped in for a fifth or a sixth. But his junior year of high school, he made the finals of Greco out of, out of juniors. And uh, his senior year, he took fifth. Well, this kid, you couldn't control him uh, with his comments. And he crossed, Will, come on, geez, this is the second day of practice, relax. You know, he had to keep an eye on him. And then Zach Ray. Because he was busting balls too much. Oh, he couldn't stop. He couldn't help himself. And he was the worst, you know, like kid to, like you'd be, you'd always want Will to be your demonstration uh, partner so you could put it on him but you didn't want him to be your partner because he'd always make things difficult. Like he'd always <laughs> turn the wrong way, put his hand in the wrong spot. And he knew what he was doing because he knew the technique. And he was just, he was, 
He's, you know, like, and you couldn't not like him. He, he was good. He was funny. He had, had good timing. He had, he, he, he was good. And like I was saying, Zach Ray, he was. Zach Ray that. might be the most low key funny kid. Oh. He's hilarious. He's, hel- he's Dude, so smart and he was so quick. He, was- he burned me and Coach Myers in Fargo so bad. Oh my God! Keep talking about Zach Ray because I got I got to remember exactly what he said. He he burned me and Myers so bad in a corner one time. We were talking to a ref, like we were talking to a we were talking to a ref. But what we were doing was getting the ref to to notice something that their their athlete was doing, and I I can't remember what it was. He just like he it got to the point where he said something, and me and Myers both. Like put our head, our head in our hands. Yes. Like, oh, he got us. And I'm gonna assume he just happened to be in the area. Maybe his kid was on deck, or he was walking by, or is this when he was in high school? No, he, no, no, no. He's coaching for Team yeah. Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah, that's this what I mean. Is, so, like, he just he just happened to be walking by and yeah. insert himself. Oh, just brilliant. Br- like, all right. So, if you're building a wrestling coaching staff. Give me the three things that you, or two or three things that you find most important in in starting a staff. Whether that be you as right. the, the 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 head coach and building your assistants, or or right. however you want to do it. Okay, so um, the first thing I would check it it would be where where do these people stand philosophically. So. Uh, I'd ask, I'd ask them to rank what's important to them about wrestling. And, and if, if they didn't come right out and, and give these rankings in the correct order, I'd sit them down and talk to them about their order and see if I could change their mind. If I could change their mind, I think they, I think I, they'd fit in with me. Um, first First responsibility, the sport comes first. Wrestling comes first. So every decision you make is based on how is this going to be good for wrestling, the sport. And then second would be the kids. The kids come second. Kids don't supersede the sport. Sport comes first. Now, by doing right by the sport, you're almost always going to do right by the kids. Third, everything else. Everything else. The team, the club, the community, the parents everything else involved in wrestling, it doesn't matter which one of them. You can make any one of them third because everything else after the sport and the kids is ancillary. It's, it's collateral. So that I want somebody who thinks that way. And if they think that way, I think everything else is going to fall into place in most cases. Okay. Then, like, I don't want somebody to say team comes first. The team comes first to me is the worst philosophy in the in the history of of, of anything athletic or any team related thing is just it's a, it's a, it's a it's a cop out. My my coach told me he said don't prostitute the kids. I'm like what is don't prostitute the kids? Like I'm not getting these kids hookers. What do you think I'm? <laughs> no. Don't prostitute the kids. Don't 
don't have the kids do well to make you look good. And that's probably why I'm so mm-hmm. poor at self-promoting mm-hmm. because it's not me. It's not, it's, it's not about me. It's about those kids. He told me if the team wins, the coach looks good. If the kids win, the kids look good. So who do you want to make look good? So that's why if I'm picking a staff, those are the guys I want. Mm. And everything else, I could teach. I could teach them, you know, technique. They they, they could show up with nothing. It doesn't. That's easy to fix. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's um okay. So what would you say to someone then that? Okay, what do you say to parents? Because you've had a slew of crazy ass parents <laughs> that will. Interject, interject right. their um, their need, their need for their their son to be successful or daughter, I guess, to be successful in this sport. So, how do you how do you deal with them? I might not be the most diplomatic person in the world. I'm also I'm also uh, blessed, in my opinion, with uh, a certain level of contempt, and when someone expresses values that I think are counterproductive to a kid's development, it's like they don't exist to me. Like if they're not, like it just, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) The level of contempt is just, it's. But I can't, it's not helpful. It's not helping. You know what I mean? Like, so, so. Right, but you there's a certain amount of diplomacy that that hurts all people involved. And now we're talk we're we're talking about a kid. We're, we're give we're me give me I, the level. No, no, right. hold on, hold on. Right. Give me it doesn't matter. Give me the level of diplomacy that is counterproductive. Give give me give me that conversation that you've heard a million times. Yeah, and I, I know exactly I try, what you're talking about. I try and make the parent feel better at the expense of the kid going in and. takes a step in the wrong direction and when a kid takes a step in the wrong direction the odds are there's going to be a second step and a third etc etc i mean you know you're in a hole you you, if, if if i could give you two things one of two things it's going to make all the difference in the world i can give you a ladder or i can give you a shovel sometimes these parents are handing their kids shovels and they're digging a hole deeper i'm 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 gonna give the kid a ladder and if i have to encourage the parent to not continue the conversation and if that's what it takes to give that kid a ladder that's what i'm going to do can you can you give me an instance without saying names of course yeah um i got a bunch of things like flashing through my head i can't narrow down on on one of them right now but i could uh so i had a kid that uh he did such a great job uh one year he took third out in akron and he took second in uh in uh fargo and his workout partner i shouldn't say he one of his workout partners was a kid who just started wrestling that year like that spring he came to practice so he went to his high school coach he was in ninth grade he says coach i want to join the wrestling team next year and the coach said okay go here because they do a nice job with kids who are just learning how to wrestle. So the kid came to practice. And this kid who made the finals out of cadets, 
his, one of his workout partners is a kid who just started wrestling. The dad's like out of his mind. You can't let him practice with him. Yeah, he can. He likes practicing with him. It's not the only kid he's working out with, but that would be, you know, like when you pick partners, he go, I want that kid. Why did he want that kid? Kid was a little bit bigger than him. The kid would get up fast after every rep. And, you know, the kid had a good athleticism and a good balance to him. He ended up being a great partner. And, and you know, one of the reasons why this kid did so well towards the end of the year is because of having a training partner that didn't have any of the wrestling social norms that sometimes get in the way when kids are drilling. You know, when kids are training together and the one kid doesn't want to give up too much. And now mm -hmm. the drilling sessions turns and in, turns into a live, live wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and other headaches like that. So in any case, I had to explain to this guy, this kid's a good drilling partner. Your son's doing a nice job, you know, let it go. And, you know, it, 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 it works out. You know, I had another parent. He came, this is when I was coaching the high school team. I'm walking out of practice and this guy comes around the corner and you could see, like, he wasn't on two wheels, but you could see how one side of the car kind of came a little bit higher than the other. And he gets out of the car, he slams the door, he comes hustling over to me and I got my bag over my shoulder and I got my key in, in, in the door of my car and he comes running over, he's like, I got to talk to you. And I turn around and go, Just one second, I take a bag off my shoulder, unlock my door, put my bag in my car, close the door and turn around and say, how can I help you? And he's out of his mind because his kid's not getting a wrestle off. Now, I had a policy. If you're a returning varsity wrestler for the first event of the year, you get the spot. Unless there's another returning varsity wrestler. So this kid, fantastic. <clears throat> he didn't wrestle the year before. He took, he, he took a year off. So now he's in 11th grade. And you know, I said, listen, he's going to be able to wrestle the higher weight class. He's probably going to win the weight class anyway. He goes, but he's supposed to wrestle off. Wrestling's about wrestle offs for this, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, he's going to get a chance to wrestle for whatever weight class he wants after this event. It's my rule. It's to, you know, reward the kids for the previous season moving into this season. Everything after this, we'll have wrestle offs and we'll put the best kid in the weight, but he's got to go up a weight classes. Guy shakes my hand, says, I see your point and walks away. My assistant coach goes, he goes, I've never seen anything like this. He goes, you did a Jedi mind trick on this guy. He's on two wheels pulling in here. I'm, th I'm thinking I'm going to have to pull him off of you. But some parents are willing to listen to reason. I, you know, you asked me to give you an example. I don't know if I could give you an example of someone who didn't listen to reason because if they didn't, the conversation's just over. That's it. You know, it. It takes two people to argue. I mean, you ever see one person arguing with nobody? It doesn't happen. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. Um, Joel, I am hijacking this conversation. I apologize. Can do you have anything before I go on? Yeah, uh, you shared several stories here about kids of all different skill levels. How do you balance a practice with kids who are maybe just starting to wrestle with also a room full of very high level wrestlers? Um, uh, uh, high level wrestlers. People who don't sugarcoat. See, I know, this... I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm, okay. not I'm not trying to sugarcoat you. You okay. should know better. <laughs> it, it, but I'm trying not to. Who by whose terms? High level wrestler. You know what I mean? Like the kid wins Fargo. All right, great. But 
I mean, if I, if I, if I sit down for, and I watch, you know, them wrestle for, for 40 seconds, I have my hands on my head like this. I'm like, I can't believe this kid's doing this. So, you know, they're no different to me. The kid is just starting out. They're no different. I mean, if we're, you know, my coach, my coach was a silver certified, the, the NCEP program, USA Wrestling um, started that in the early 80s. My coach was like one of five coaches who were silver certified in the country. There were two gold certified and there were less than 10 silver certified and he was one of them. So we, we learned how to wrestle through that system, seven basic skills and et cetera, et cetera. And um, so, you know, <clears throat> stance, motion, level change, penetration, lift, back step, back arch. And we practice each skill every day in increments and sometimes, you know, you know, cumulative, sometimes all at the same time in the same, in the same movement or the same technique. Um, I don't think I ever coached a kid that had them all that, that could do them all, all the time, not a single kid. So if the kid's first practice, he got to work on his stance, his motion, his level changes, penetration, back step, back arch. And, you know, so, uh, an athlete that Mike and I both worked with Tyler Fraley, Tyler Fraley, probably hit more five point throws that weren't awarded five than any three kids I ever coached hit five pointers. Mm -hmm. That's not including the ones that he was awarded the five points for. Um, Tyler could do it all. He could do every one of those skills. He was probably the kid that I didn't have to watch practicing his back steps and his back arches. I mean, they were just, he had it. He just had it. But there weren't too many other kids, you know, and, you know, whatever names I mentioned that, you know, no matter what success they had on the open level or the youth level or collegiate, you know, there was always plenty to fix. There was always, you know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're either creating good habits or you're creating bad habits for all of them. So a new kid and the kid who's winning medals out at the national events, to me, there's really not much different. They all need the same amount of help. Mm. So you probably have a, a bit of a hot what is what is the hottest take that you either tell kids or tell parents that they just they they think you're crazy for because if if nothing else you are a full easy of hot easy, easy easy uh, the, the that develop development is more important than winning. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard for, you know, parents want their kids to get their hand raised, you know, and if the kid is, if a kid's doing something and, and, and the kid's winning, it's hard to convince a parent, we got to make some adjustments here. And like, I, I, like to me, I can't see it any other way. And, um, you know, I, I always ask kids, you know, what's your finish line? So Anthony, uh, Anthony Ashnall had won two state tournaments in New Jersey and um, he was undefeated. So we're out at, out at Fargo and I asked him, you know, he plays both styles. And I asked him, I said, what's your finish line in wrestling? And that's the question I ask kids, what's your finish line? Said, what do you mean finish line? I said, when you're done wrestling, what do you want to, 
have? What do you want to say you've done? What's your accomplishment? He goes, I want to be the best in the world. And I said, I said, I'm so happy for you. I said, because if you told me that you wanted to be an undefeated four-time New Jersey state champ, I think I might've had to pick my hands up. <laughs> to, 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 to know that you have that, you know, so if, if you want to be the best in the world someday, then you're going to constantly try to improve. And if that's your goal, no matter what happens in between now and then, it's okay. No matter who you lose to, no matter how heartbreaking the disappointment is, it's not your finish line. You know, now if you're, you know, at a certain age and you're wrestling in the world finals and you lose, now you got to make a decision. You're coming back next year or not. And if you're not coming back next year, well, then, you know, that's that. But, you know, you're 16 years old. There's plenty of time. And he's not the only kid that I asked. And he's not the only kid that gave me a good answer like that. But I've had a few kids and I've had a bunch of parents. I asked the parents, what's your finish line for your kid? And, you know, I want him to be a region champ. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is what I'm dealing with. But it, 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 in a certain context, they don't know any better. But some of them do. Some of them should know better. Oh. But development, what, what is, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest stumbling block sometimes is they can't wrap their head around the cost of development. The, the cost of development is, is you're going to lose. You're going to lose in the context of trying to be better at wrestling. But that match isn't your finish line match. So you'll, you'll be okay. You know, everybody has, has heartbreak in wrestling. You know, I saw, uh, this, you know, back and forth on Twitter might've been a, a week or so before Fargo people complaining about how heartbreaking a loss was and certain people implying if they're not outright saying that a heartbreaking loss can only be at a high level event. Hmm. That's who, you know, I lost to the kid in the JV County tournament and, and I sat in a corner and cried for 20 minutes. That's pretty heartbreaking. Sure. You know, I lost in the finals with 10 seconds to go in the world team trials. That's heartbreaking too. But my, my emotion, my, my emotional response and your emotional response, you, you can't control how you feel. Right. If it hurts, it hurts. And that's that. People try to what, judge it or put a value on it. It's silly. What does the conversation look like when you get kids whose finish line isn't where you want it to be? I can't pick their finish line. They can. If 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 their finish line is, you know, by the end of 12th grade, they still have if they're coming to practice, that they still have to go through practice like I'm I'm running practice that they're gonna want to be a world champ someday. So you you don't even your finish line for them is different. Yeah. My finish line for them is they have to they have to get better. They have to get better. They have to. Have, so you 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 probably more than anyone I've ever met strictly adheres to development over Ws. Probably more so than anyone I I can think of. Has there ever been a point where you felt close to sacrificing that? Have you ever felt like, because I can remember being like, so folk style, right? Um, my, my, my big thing is you got to be able to get off bottom. Like you have to, like, that is not, that is a non-negotiable and everything up until the NCAA finals, 
you're going to spend making sure that you can get because that's the the pinnacle of, of folk style wrestling is the NCAA final. Sure. Well, I remember there was a a match. Our kid was struggling on bottom. The kid that he's wrestling is very good on top, and if he wins this match, he goes to the national tournament. If he loses this match, he there's a toss up. Like he he could still wrestle back, take third, still go to the national tournament. But we're up by one. Third period, our choice. Right. And I look at my assistant coaches and I go, I really want to choose neutral. They're like, but he wouldn't develop. And I'm like, I hate you for saying that. <laughs> but we chose down. He got out and he got out in like 10 yeah. seconds. But but the point is, there 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 are times that you I, I make I, I make a conscious decision with the development of the, the athlete in mind, but it's not always easy. So, you know, you know, there's, 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 there's a whole lot of rationalizing that goes on because, well, if the kid advances to the next event, now we have all this extra development. He's got another week of training for something that's, you know, super important, you know, so, you know, in those situations, you know, I, I, I have in the past put a kid on his feet, you know, and the, and the, and the gravity of a, of a, of a certain match or a certain event is going to dictate how you how you make that call um you know there there is there is development in in qualifying for the next event mm. so you know yeah i see i see exactly what you're saying don't let my son hear that <laughs> do not let him hear that god lord um sorry go ahead it's just it's it's there, there there's that's the thing about wrestling and i'm sure it's 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 uh you know important in other in other sports too but there's just so much growth that that you know getting better at wrestling is just a way to give you practice at getting better at considerably more important things so if you're sacrificing a kid's development on bottom to get them to accomplish something that might give them confidence in something else. You know, there's always, there's always, you know, there's always a benefit, but when you, you, you know, the difference between, you know, when, when you're, when you're doing it for other reasons, you can't, you can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to yourself. You know, you there, put that there, there is a rationalization that goes on in your head. Right. And you have, excuse me, you have a, a finite amount of time to make these decisions. Of course. There's a situation where, you know, like you see a high school bench and it's the third period and there's three coaches on the bench and the, you know, top, bottom or neutral. The ref goes top, bottom or neutral. The kid looks over to his bench and they're like the three monkeys. One guy's going like this. One guy's going like this. One guy's going yeah. like this. And the kid yeah. looks over and he's like, what the, yeah. You know, and then, and listen, I'm not going to act like I get it right all the time. That's just no. silly talk right there. I mean, that's, my God, you know, mm. but that's, but that's part of it. You know, like that's part of the development. Hmm. You know, everybody's, if you're not, if you're not working to develop, what are you doing? Just the way it's just, a, it's just a, a, a waste of time. If whatever you're doing, you it's, know? um, it's a far more, it's a far more daunting 
a task, putting a kid on a path of development, as opposed to a path of the finish line being the region. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is a farm it's, and it's harder to coach. It's harder to parent because golly talking to those especially like you know my, my son is really into it he, like, he really enjoys the sport and talking to him after losses and keeping development at the forefront of his mind whew, that's not easy man how, now how did you do it as a dad um i think that i i can't begin to express how lucky I am on my son's perspective on wrestling. And, um, he started wrestling in kindergarten and we first started going to, I think they called them jamborees or whatever when he was in first grade, you know, the, the type of event where they wrestle, they wait, uh, they raised both kids hands after each match. And he did that up until he was in third grade. And then third, fourth, and fifth grade, he wrestled in the JV level of our youth league. And then sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, he wrestled on what they consider the varsity level of our youth league. And he wrestled in high school. And now he's in college. But um, I mean, my son has just been great about jumping on board with this development thing. I mean, he wants to win, of course, but um, he's got context, he's got perspective. And, uh, you know, he's always, you know, he's pretty finish line oriented and, uh, he, he has a great perspective. Doesn't mean he likes losing no. <laughs> and he certainly wants to win the next bout for sure. And, uh, but you know, he, he's resilient. He bounces back after, you know, if he falls short, goes back to the drawing board and, it, and it's awesome. And it, to be honest with you, I don't think, I don't think there's any manufacturing that. I don't think there's anything that I could have done to help it or steer it in a different direction. I think that's just how you, how, he, how he's wired. And that's, you know, what he chose. That's a path I think he chose to take. I mean, I know one thing I told him and, and, you know, and even now he's wrestling in college and I've told him, you know, since he's graduated high school, I said, if my greatest fear, my, my worst failure as a human being would be, if you are wrestling because you think I want you to mm -hmm. like, I, I, I love the fact that he wrestles, but if he didn't want to wrestle, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Right. But if he wrestled because he thought he had to wrestle because of me, like that's to me, that would be the worst failure in my life in any kind. There, there's no close second there. That would be the worst because, you know, knowing that, that I, that I've been a coach his whole life and before, I mean, he's born in 2003. I stopped coaching a high school team in 2007. So in, in, you know, in New Jersey, high school wrestling standards, I dropped, dropped off the face, the face of the earth before my kid could even walk. Right. Well, he was probably walking at that point, but, you know. Yeah, but I get the point, though. He definitely didn't put on a pair of wrestling shoes, that's for sure. No. Um, we are getting close on time. All right. <clears throat> Magic wand. You got a magic wand. You can change one thing about the sport of wrestling. 
What is it? Oh my gosh. Uh, can I change that? Uh, what if I what if I were allowed to change the perspectives of people who pay attention to wrestling? In what way? Can I do that? Yeah, of course. Okay, that's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to get the people who pay attention to wrestling to not burden themselves on what people who don't pay attention to wrestling think about wrestling. That's what I want. I when the wrestling community chases, I think the wrestling community chasing after non-wrestling people to like wrestling is counterproductive. I'm not so sure we if should, that's a proper sentence or not. Yeah, I understand. I understand. That, here's that, how, that in my opinion, here's how you uh, increase. You don't want to say the word grow wrestling? You want to grow? Here's how you grow. Right? Here's yeah. how you grow. Right? It's gross. It's gross because it's it's so overused. But God, fair I'm enough. Sorry. Here's how you grow wrestling. You 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 coach kids that love wrestling, and when they have kids, they encourage their kids to get involved in wrestling, and and you and you build wrestling with new wrestlers. You build wrestling through participation. By people who are actually going to put on their wrestling shoes, step in the middle of the mat, shake hands, and wrestle. You don't do it backwards. You don't put people in the stands so people go wrestle. Mm -hmm. You don't put wrestling on TV so people go wrestle. It doesn't work that way. It never does, and it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And when people chase that carrot, the stick is never going to get any shorter. The carrot's always going to be that far away. You grow wrestling from the bottom up. And then if enough people, and, and that's exactly Why what's do going we, on. Okay, wrestling's best effort, the wrestling community's best efforts, it's still happening. We're no 7,000 plus people, kids wrestling out at, at a juniors. Yes. Right. And then, you know, you go back 10 years ago and they're making the announcement that there are 3,000 wrestlers and people are doing backflips. Mm -hmm. build it well, from the bottom up don't 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 chase something that that you're never going to catch and we're never going to catch mainstream notoriety yeah. but if we have seven thousand kids wrestling at juniors eventually they're going to be adults and they're going to be the people who are wanting so my point is when we change when we when we add an extra point to a takedown in collegiate wrestling when we change uh, a freestyle and Greco-Roman takedown from one point to two points, who are we helping? What, what's the, it's just nonsense. I'm embarrassed to be a wrestling person when stuff like this happens. And, and, and how up in arms a, people get about it's it. It's such an act of futility. And like people think that that's going to – and we talked about this a little bit more in Fargo. You Wrestling – is boring because wrestlers choose to be boring. Mm -hmm. If wrestlers choose to be exciting, wrestling becomes exciting. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And there's no rule that's going to legislate it one direction or the other. No one, no one goes into a match and tries to not score. They just know the opportunity is not there. So they're not going to take a risk. But then you get those crazy guys that are like, I'm going anyway. Yeah. Let's see what happens. All right. But yeah, I, that's my gripe. The, the wrestling community is chasing a carrot that is, is tied to a stick and that stick's not getting any shorter. So why do we, 
I'm trying to look at the the numbers of high school participation. It's up. Uh, it's what? It's up. It's increasing. It's increasing. And we, we have we have girls. I don't know if I I don't. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I, every, I we're we're adding a gender. We're adding an, another fifty percent of the population. So you, I'm really, not really going to look at it. Um, <clears throat> that said. Um, like if people spend their time worrying about development, if they worry about uh, getting more kids interested, if they're worrying, and I say kids, I mean kids who want to put wrestling shoes on. Right. If we spend all of our energy at the NWCA or whatever these other organizations are, let's increase participation. Let's increase opportunities. It you puts know, a thought in my head, though. That some, I, I agree with you. It puts a thought in my head, though, that that we do such a bad job of retaining fans. We do such a bad job of it. Like, like, so, so, like that to me is like where the the crux is. Like we, I, I all right, you can't. You can't I, the, all the kids that. that I went to high school with, right? The 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 guys that that I had on my wrestling team in high school. I can't think of one of them that pays more than an ancillary more than just ancillary attention to the sport why is that okay so why is that is because life you know there's, sure. there's just other things that they're doing but let me ask you this do any of them have kids that joined a team i would say yes i would say because of your coach in high school Mm -hmm. Because your high your high school coach was a type of coach mm -hmm. that wrestling's going to be important to kids who are on his team. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, because you can't, you can't win all of them. Sure, but so but a handful. I, yeah, I would say that because of your coach, there are kids you went to high school with whose kids either tried wrestling or they're still doing it. Mm -hmm. Probably right. And 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 as 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 coaches. If we promote the sport in that way, you know, like I, I, I was insulted once when I was coaching a high school team, a coach came up to me, he goes, he goes, you're, you're, you're teaching coaches. You're not teaching wrestlers or you're building coaches or whatever, whatever his goofy mm. ass, <clears throat> what he thought was an insult. I took as a compliment. Mm. I said, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing. I want the, the kids that are learning wrestling from me to be involved in wrestling for the rest of their life. And I know I'm the, you know, like what are the, you know, the numbers, you know, like if I'm at 10%, you're crushing it. Yeah. You're crushing that, that's you're huge. Crushing it. That's huge. Uh, and I think, I think I'm pretty close to that. And that's way more important than, you know, like, you know, I promote that part of my coaching legacy. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Matthew. How do people? Oh, oh shit! I can't even get a hold of you. I don't know why. How other people are going to get a hold of you? I, <laughs> like he clips oh, gut on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now. At okay. Gut. Okay. All right. Because he doesn't answer his phone and he still has a flip phone. That's not true anymore. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate you coming on, and I you're, will you're, make you're, sure. Listen, I'm going to blow a little smoke right now for you. Oh, you're, you're one of my best friends in the sport, and you're one of the best people, one of the best technicians. I enjoy how you do almost everything you do, with the exception of putting me in my head at training camp. 
I'm not happy about that. Always a pleasure, Matthew Siempa. I'll talk <laughs> to you soon, brother.